can I help you? Will you be checking any bags today? Yes, a few. You want to check all of these? Well, not really, but... My old soccer coach benched me for a sophomore my senior year. You want to check him? Yeah, he goes everywhere with me. Dish me for my friend Brandon on prom night. But Brandon is really hot. Whatever. My boss didn't give me the promotion I deserved. Well, Carl's numbers were better. Carl cheated. Carl. I was bullied by Pete my entire fourth grade year. Give me your lunch money. Shut up, Pete. What'd you say to me? Oh, uh, nothing. Sorry. Is that it? I guess. Uh, you know this is going to cost you. Yeah, I know. All right, enjoy your flight. Thanks. Hi, can I help you? I love that video because in a really humorous way, it just kind of gave you a heads up on where we're going with this series. Like the guy in the video, we all have things that were said to us, that were done to us when we were um, younger, um, sometimes all the way back to middle school, like him in, the, in, the, in their fourth grade, that's really stuck with us. And we've never forgiven the person that did it, forgiven the person that said it. Um, when we remember what they said, what they did, we still get a little bit angry and we carry that baggage with us everywhere we go. And pretty much all of us do it. Um, I played golf for Oakland University um, back in the um, mid-90s, uh, just so you know, when I was in college. And uh, in, in my senior year, I was playing the best golf of my life. I never, or my entire senior year of college, I never shot over 73 in one round, practice or tournaments, which if you know golf, that's really, really good, playing the best golf of my life. My college coach did not start me the entire fall semester except for one tournament. He allowed me to play in our home tournament, which I won, by the way, from not the top five, um, but, but I was just playing that good. I went on, he finally began to start me in January of that year. I went on to win two events individually, lead our team to three to four wins as a team, and had an incredible spring semester of golf my senior year. And I'm telling you, for a year I carried that with me, how bitter I was and angry I was at him, because I'm like, what if he would have let me play that fall? How many tournaments could I have won? What would that have done to my potential golf career? How would that have changed the way my life went if he would have allowed me to play in that eight to ten tournaments playing the best golf of my life? And I'm telling you, for a year, every time I thought about it, for a year, every time it came up, for a year, every time I looked at a career in golf, I went back to that moment. I lost sleep over it. I couldn't sleep. I had conversations with my head in him where I told him off. You ever do that with people that you're mad at? And I was so good in those conversations. Like, man, I was good. Um, but I, for a year, I did that. It took me a year to get over it. It took me a year of carrying it around, getting upset every time I thought about it, losing sleep on it before I was able to begin the process of moving on. If I was in that video, I would be checking in my golf coach that year. I would have been checking him in. Here's my baggage. There's a deep connection 
to how forgiving you are and your well-being. There's a, there's a deep connection with how willing you are to forgive and how healthy your relationships are. There's a direct correlation between how forgiving you are and your ability to fly. And you're wondering, hey, we're in a series called Learning to Fly. Um, in 2014, this is kind of, uh, this is fun based on the title of this series. In 2014, a study came out that says if you learn to forgive, you can actually jump higher than people that don't. You can jump higher if you learn to forgive. And this is what their findings where you can literally fly higher. The study said, in our study, we've shown that people induced to feel forgiveness perceive hills to be less steep. I get that. People induced to feel forgiveness perceive hills to be less steep and are able to jump higher in a fitness test than people who are induced to feel unforgiveness. These findings suggest that forgiveness may lighten the physical burden of unforgiveness. Forgiveness. Literally, the benefits to being a forgiving person are off the charts in every single area of your life. Yet, despite st- decades of studies, our culture still seems to perceive forgiveness as a sign of weakness and submission or both together. Oftentimes, we find it a lot easier to stigmatize or denigrate our enemies um, than to empathize and forgive them because we want revenge, we want payback, we want restitution. The movie The Equalizer with Denzel Washington is the best movie ever. Why? Because he got payback on everybody that had ever done anything wrong in the movie. Lots of blood, lots of death. It was was very gory, but oh, it felt so good, right? Um, In a society as competitive as ours, and this is the other thing that's interesting, People hesitate to forgive because they don't want to relinquish the upper hand in the relationship. Think about that. People don't want to forgive because they don't want to give up power. They don't want to give up the upper hand. Here's what science has found. If you lack forgiveness for those who wrong you, it will impact every single area of your life in a negative way. Physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Which is why I believe that Jesus was asked by his disciples to teach them how to pray. When, he, when they asked him how to pray, do you know that 20% of the prayer that he gave them had to deal with forgiveness? The disciples literally said, okay, God in the flesh, Jesus, here on earth, how do we pray? Because you pray differently than everybody else we've ever heard pray. 20% of the prayer had to do with forgiveness, Matthew 6, 12. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Every time we pray, Jesus is saying, you need to pray about forgiveness, your own forgiveness for your sin and your need for forgiveness from God for, and your, need, your, your ability to forgive others. So let's make sure we're on the same page. Forgiveness generally involves a decision where we decide to completely let go of resentment, anger, and thoughts of revenge towards someone who has wronged you. That's when I say forgiveness, that's what I'm talking, completely letting go of resentment, anger, and thoughts of revenge. It does not mean that you completely forget. It doesn't mean that that, that you excuse the harm done or you have to make up with the person that caused the harm. And as we always have to say in messages like this, if you're in an abusive relationship, You don't forgive and stay in it. You actually get out of that relationship and get safe. Then you forgive. Or you work on forgiveness because it typically takes time. But it does mean at some point in the process, you have to break out in the song from Frozen. I mean, come on. Let it go, let it go. Can't hold me back anymore. Come on, man. Come on, people. Thank you. Somebody likes my singing. 
But that's what it means. It's like, a, what, what does forgiveness mean? It means at some point you let it go. Completely let it go. So I want to talk about two things that have to do with forgiveness today. One is the power of forgiveness. The other is the power for forgiveness. Again, it's the power of forgiveness. We need to talk about the power of forgiveness in our lives. And we also need to talk about the power for forgiveness. Where do you find the power to actually forgive? So let's talk about the power of forgiveness. Um, the physical, emotional, and mental benefits of being forgiving documented over the last 100 years by scientists and people who study human behavior are enormous. I'm going to bullet point some of them. Um, if you become a forgiving person, I'm going to read you a list of benefits of joining ELSA and letting it go, okay? Your blood pressure will go down first. Your overall health will go up. Your immune system will be stronger. You will suffer less from depression. You will be happy. You will be happier. You will feel lighter. You will jump higher, scientifically proven. Obstacles in your life will feel smaller. You will be less sweaty. Not joking there. I need to be more forgiving. I'm sweating. You will have less tension in your forehead. You will experience less stress. Your anxiety levels will go down. Your heart rate will be lower on average, you will be significantly less angry, you will increase your empathy, you will strengthen every relationship you have, you will physically lighten the load you carry on a daily basis, and in some cases they have found complete forgiveness to eradicate mental health diseases. How crazy is that? Just by forgiving, you can eradicate a wide range of mental health issues. Every single study on forgiveness has proven the exact opposite as well. If you hold grudges, if you refuse to forgive, every area of your life I just listed will trend downward. But if you're quick to forgive, it will dramatically increase the quality of your life on every level. Forgiveness is that powerful. Forgiveness is powerful in our relationships. Why? Because without forgiveness in your relationships, you won't have a relationship for very long. Any person you've ever been in relationship with, you have needed forgiveness for them because you're a tool and you have needed to give forgiveness to them because they're a tool. Okay, that's the way relationships work. Now, I'm a pastor and so I need forgiveness from my wife about two times a year, okay? Two times a year I need forgiveness from her. I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, it really is like a weekly deal of, of needing forgiveness from my wife, from one of my four kids, from the people that I work with, from my friends. There is somebody almost on a weekly basis that I find myself just going, hey, would you forgive me for that? I was a little careless. I, I, I misspoke there. Um, I was very thoughtless in this moment. Um, and it's a continual thing for any horizontal relationship that we have with another human being to survive and to thrive. It's going to require the power of forgiveness. And I'm just telling you, you've experienced this. When someone comes to you heartfelt and asks for your forgiveness and you find it in your heart to forgive them, it is like a ooey gooey hallmark moment, isn't it? It's like it can literally fix a relationship like that. When someone asks for forgiveness and you find it in your heart to forgive them, it can actually make the relationship stronger in a heartbeat. It's that powerful. But where the power of forgiveness, I believe, is the most impactful and life-changing is in our vertical relationship with God. Forgiveness is so powerful that it is the only way you and I as imperfect beings can be, as imperfect be, beings can be in relationship with a perfect God. It's the only way. Now, what do I mean by that? Romans 3.23, the Bible is very clear. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. What's that saying? That we all sin, which a very simple way of talking about sin is choosing your own way over God's. 
You've all done it. I've done it. We've all choose our own way over God's. We've all missed the mark. And that sin separates us from a relationship with God. That sin breaks our relationship with God because God's standard is perfection. And it only gets worse from there. The payment for that sin, not only are we not in relationship with God, the payment for that sin, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. The debt of sin, the payment of sin is death. What we owe, our debt for the wrong we've done is we deserve to die, which means we are in desperate need of a solution. And God has only one solution for the problem of human sin, and it is the act of forgiveness. That is God's only solution for the problem of human sin. And here's what's amazing about God, and it's different from every other religion you will study. If you want to go study religions... What sets Christianity apart is God offers us forgiveness for free. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the verse goes on, thankfully. But the free gift of God, but the free gift of God, but the what gift? The free gift of God is eternal life. Through Christ Jesus our Lord, God gives those who believe forgiveness for their sin. He heals our relationship with God and then gives us an eternity in heaven because Jesus paid the debt for your sin and mine. He gave his life in your place when he died on the cross. And he freely offers you the forgiveness that he purchased for you. He offers us forgiveness. And here's the difference. The world's economy is this. You owe, you pay. Right? It's the equalizer. You owe, you pay. You do something wrong, you deserve everything you get because of it. God's economy, Christ's economy, Jesus says, you owe, I pay. Now just think about that. In Christ's economy, what does Jesus say to us? You owe, but I pay. How powerful is forgiveness? It's so powerful that it alone repairs our broken relationship with God. It's so powerful That forgiveness through Jesus alone is the doorway through which we enter into eternity with God in heaven. If you want to go to heaven when you die, there's only one way. It's through forgiveness. The forgiveness that Jesus offers, that he purchased for you on the cross. It's through a doorway labeled forgiveness that Jesus has standing, holding open for you. If you're to believe, if you accept his forgiveness... Maybe you've heard it, good people don't go to heaven, but forgiven people do. That's it. Jamie Winship, he's one of my favorite teachers of the Bible. He says it this way, and this is so beautiful. If you could just picture this, let your mind kind of create a picture. Forgiveness is the oxygen in the kingdom of God. Forgiveness is the oxygen in the kingdom of God. Now just think about that. As followers of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, forgiveness is what we breathe regularly. We breathe in the forgiveness of God on a daily basis. And what are we supposed to do? Breathe it out onto the people in our life that have wronged us. We breathe in the oxygen of the kingdom and we breathe it out on everyone around us that has hurt us. It's the first thing a born-again person does. If you accept Jesus, the first thing you do is you breathe in the oxygen of the kingdom of God, which is the forgiveness for every sin you've ever committed, past, present, future. How do you get it, Romans 10, 9, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you've never asked Jesus into your life, if you've never asked him to forgive you and be the Lord of your life and invited him into your life, today could be your day. Because it's that simple. It's freely given. You want forgiveness for your sins? You want to walk through the doorway to eternity with God? You 
literally simply say, Jesus, I believe in you. Would you please forgive me for my sins? And Jesus says every time, yep. Past, present, future. But the problem is you just can't breathe in the forgiveness. You have to breathe it out on other people. And that's where things get difficult. It's, it's not easy for some of us. Because some of us, we carry hurts around that happened decades ago. We carry the weight of unforgiveness every day of our life. Maybe it was a dad who abandoned you at a young age, a mom who scorned you, a friend who betrayed your confidence, an acquaintance who slandered you, a husband who cheated on you, a wife who disrespected you, a coworker who got you fired for their own promotion, a son or a daughter who has stolen from you, a person in power or authority over you that has abused you, a horrible divorce that has left you wounded and hurting. Every single one of us can look back on our lives and there's been something in our life, typically someone, who has hurt us and wronged us before. And I, so I don't want to pretend that this is an easy topic and just say, hey, forgive. Woo, yay, good service. Yay, good job. It's not that easy. I wish it were easy to just go, hey, guys, we should all forgive. Goodbye. Have a good Sunday. Go forgive everybody. No, it's not that easy. You've got to work at it. So we have to talk about where do you get the power for forgiveness, okay? The power of forgiveness is astronomical. I could talk for an entire day on the power of forgiveness, but that doesn't help us figure out and understand where the power for forgiveness comes from. So where do we get the power to forgive other people? We start by shifting our paradigm and our point of view and on our understanding of forgiveness, and we start with what Jesus taught in the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 12. I read it earlier. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And I don't know if you caught this, but Jesus used in that sentence an auxiliary verb or a preterite, which is a verb that's used to talk about past completed actions. All of you English teachers in the room just went, wow, because I just used English words, right? Um, not English words, but, you know, English language words. Um, but he used an auxiliary verb or a preterite, which is used to talk about past completed action. As we have forgiven. That word forgiven means completed. When you pray this part of the prayer, Jesus is saying, you are saying, God, I have already done the hard work of forgiving, past tense, everyone in my life that has wronged me. Now I'm coming to you to ask for forgiveness. So we have to forgive first and then ask God to forgive us. Is that what Jesus is actually saying? Yes. He doubles down two verses later, Matthew 6, 14. If you forgive those who sin against you, and this is so powerful, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Past tense, if you forgive people, past tense, who've already wronged you, your heavenly Father will then, present tense, forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And I'll just tell you what Jesus is saying here should be really sobering because he's saying, look, forgiveness is so important to God that if you're not willing to forgive others, he's not willing to forgive you. You have to forgive them first before coming to him and asking for forgiveness. Yet at the same time, to give it to others, you have to receive it from him, which happens at salvation. This was such a touch, tough teaching by Jesus that the disciples were having a hard time processing this. If you go 12 chapters later... Peter comes up to Jesus, lead disciple. He's still dwelling. He's going, this, this forgiveness thing, I can't figure this out, Jesus. So he asked Jesus a question. Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times. Now, someone had obviously done Peter wrong. If you know scriptures, it was probably John who was like his arch nemesis on the disciple team, which, you know, you shouldn't have that, but they still had a little thing going. And Peter was just going, Jesus, how much crap do I got to take? 
How long until I don't have to turn the other cheek and I can say, welcome to the fist? Like, when can that happen, according to you, because we want to do life your way? When can I do that? When everyone's felt that way, right? We've all felt like, really, again? Again, you're going to do that again? Really, you just, for the third time, are you kidding me? We've talked about this. We've all been there. How many times? Peter had an amount in mind, and so he's like, he's like, well, Seven? Like, wow, that's hugely forgiving. Like, I'm, I'm almost a saint, Jesus. Like, they're going to saint me someday, and it's going to be because I forgive seven times when somebody messes with me. Peter wanted a number. He wanted a limit. He literally was just going, hey, when can I draw the line? Jesus answers, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And I can see Peter going, getting his little abacus out. 490 times. I can see Peter going, if someone wrongs me 490 times, we're not even friends anymore. We're done. That person's dead to me. Talk to the hand. No, what is Jesus teaching? Is Jesus saying, no, you, actually, Peter, you forgive him every time. Every time. Because by the time you've forgiven somebody 490 times, it's, it's part of how you live your life. It's part of what you do on a regular basis. It's just who you are. And then Jesus illustrates what he means. He gives us a glimpse into how the kingdom of God works um, in verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in, in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I'll pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released and forgave him, released him and forgave his debt. Now, let me just ask you this. How many of you have ever paid off a debt? Visa, car, anything like this? Raise your hand. Raise, Dave Ramsey would be so proud of you right now. Okay, like you guys win points with Dave Ramsey. It's exhilarating feeling when you're out from under that debt, isn't it? Well, here's what's happening in this story. Imagine being forgiven a multi-generational debt. I mean a debt that you would be paying off the rest of your life and your kids would be paying off with their lives because they were sold into slavery to pay your debt. And all of a sudden, it was completely forgiven. Millions of dollars that you owe, just, hey, don't worry about it. You're good. How would you feel about that? How would that? I mean, you would, you would walk out of there so light. You would walk out of there on cloud nine. Well, here's what this guy does. Verse 28, but when the man left the king, he went to his fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars, millions versus thousands. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I'll pay it. See that? Identical words as the first guy. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man who, had for, who he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. And then here's the worst part of the whole deal, verse 35. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. And I'm just telling you, this is some serious, heavy language. You want to get on God's bad side? Accept his forgiveness and be unwilling to give it out. 
Accept the millions of dollars of forgiveness that Jesus has given you of your debt you owed him and be unwilling to let people go of the thousands of dollars they owe you, metaphorically speaking. And while that's harsh, I think there's a real compassion and a love and a gentleness behind this that you might miss unless you know God, unless you know his heart. If you've ever um, been unforgiving to someone, if you've ever held a grudge, if you've ever been unwilling to forgive and let go um, towards someone who's wronged you and you thought by doing so that you were making them pay and you had them as a prisoner and you were holding it over their head, your own lack of forgiveness has really put who in prison? Yourself, right? You guys have heard this quote by Lewis B. Smeets. I don't know who it is, but brilliant guy. So what he said, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. Just let that sit. To forgive is to set a prisoner free. And to realize the prisoner was you. Why is God so bent on us forgiving others? One reason is that he knows that if you are unwilling to do that, not only will you lock yourself in prison, but you will be tortured until you let yourself out by forgiving. And so while we might go, gosh, man, God, that's pretty harsh. No, I think God's just going, you don't understand. You don't understand how much I love you, and you don't understand how much it will wreck your life if you imprison yourself by not being willing to forgive. So where does the power come from to forgive in this story? First, it's realizing that the amount of forgiveness that you've gotten from God is a million dollars worth of forgiveness because of your sin and your will, and you're choosing your own way over his, and that what other people need from you in many cases is Literally thousands of dollars worth of forgiveness because of the wrongs they've done to you. And how, do we, how are we to give it? Freely, whether they ask for it, whether they appropriately come to you crawling on their knees, whether they use the right words, whether they even think they need your forgiveness. We are to freely give as Jesus forgives us and we set a prisoner free yourself. Jesus says to his followers, remember how much I've forgiven you and forgive. Tim Keller, he, I love, he's a great author. He says, the more you rejoice in your own forgiveness, the quicker you will be to forgive other people. The more I can remember my need for forgiveness from God and how much he's forgiven me for, the quicker and the easier it is to let go of what other people have done to me and forgive. That's where the, that's the first place the power to forgive comes from. Now, before I give you the second place, power to forgive, the power for forgiveness comes from. I want to show you a video um, story of a woman named Sonia Maletta. And Sonia, I've known for 10 years, and I saw her video for the first time this last week. I've never seen it before. I've never seen um, her story. I didn't know this part of her story because she actually is the campus director at one of the campuses of Kensington up in Michigan. And her story is tragic, where she struggled for decades to forgive her father. And I want you to hear her story because she has, has lived out exactly what we're talking about today. Now, as you see the beginning of this video, we're going to receive our offering. For those of you that call Kensington home, this is where we give back to God from what he's blessed us with. For those of you visiting, let the basket go by. We're not interested in your money. We're just glad that you're here. But, but while we do that, ushers, you guys can go ahead and come forward. Um, let's hear um, Sonia's story of walking this journey. I was camping with a friend, and my mom called and said, you need to come home, something's happened. 
So I said, what do you mean? I'm far from home. And she's like, you need to come home now. And um, my girlfriend's mom was sitting at the picnic table, and um, she showed me the front page of the newspaper, and it was my dad. Um, he had a warrant for his arrest for murder. And so um, I got in the car and went home. in Warren, Michigan, so I traveled. Um, we moved a lot in Warren, so east side, south side, west side, just to get away from my father. Um, one specific time, I was five years old. I was sitting on my girlfriend's porch um, on her glider. I watched my dad chase my mom down the street, only to pull her home by her hair. So, like, embarrassment and shame and pain started very, very young for me. He was an alcoholic, so a lot of times at night, it was my mom and my sister and I, and then he would come home, and we never knew what to expect when he walked through the door. And most of the time, it was, he was angry. My mom was beat a lot, a lot. She would walk around with bruises on her body. I can't even tell you how scared I was most of my life. There was drugs, there was guns. It was hiding underneath the bed. This bad. No kid should ever go through that. So when he was convicted of murder, it wasn't like, like I loved him, but it was like, you know, he deserves whatever he got. There was a drug dealer that sold drugs for my dad. And so they went to his house to either get the drugs back or to hurt this guy. My dad and his friend um, followed that drug dealer. And as he was moving down the street, they shot him and killed him. There was a witness in the car that identified my dad. My dad's friend never got identified, but they identified my dad. I think in court was the first time that I seen him. I didn't think it was real. I didn't think that he could murder someone. In the beginning, I felt like growing up in this dysfunctional home that if there was a God, I didn't care to know him. Because why would he put me in a messed up family like this? Well, my husband and I dated for eight years because I didn't want to get married. 
I didn't want my kids to ever experience divorce and have a life like I had, so I had a distrust in men. But we got married. We, I dated him from the time I was 18 to, you know, we got married at 27. It was two years later that I got pregnant with my first son. And that's when I started to read the book, What to Expect When You're Expecting. And God spoke to me through creation. My baby's heartbeat was beating inside my body. I used to look at the mirror. There's got to be some kind of order to what is happening here. The people have babies all the time and their bodies go back to normal. It's just amazing. And then I walked outside and um, tulips every color. I never looked at a tulip like I looked at it now. So I had a friend that had something. And I called her up and I said, you have a piece about you, and you have something that I want, and I don't know what it is. And she said, it's Jesus. She taught me how to read the Bible. She walked with me. She um, helped me in my marriage. She was just a mentor to me. And um, through my coming to church and my relationship with Jesus, it was pressed upon my heart to forgive my father. I, I didn't think he deserved forgiveness, but it was reading scripture and, uh, and reading about forgiveness and how Christ forgives me of my sins and how I'm to forgive others. So it was a journey, it didn't come easy. But I would go see him in prison. I told him that I was there to forgive him. And he said, I didn't ask you to forgive me. And I said, that's okay. I'm gonna forgive you anyway. And uh, what I didn't know was I was the prisoner by not forgiving him. And that day, walking out of prison, I was freer than any day I ever had before. Because the forgiveness wasn't for him, it was for me. I felt like a thousand pounds were, was lifted off my back. It's funny, I didn't know that I had that on me. And I've learned so much about forgiveness. Years later, in 2007, my dad had esophagus cancer. And in the state of Michigan, if you are terminally ill, then you can be released to go home and die. So my goal was to bring my dad home to my house to die. People didn't understand that. I had young kids. Why would I do that? 
I wanted to show him the love of Jesus. So I fought for it. A week after he died, I was given the okay to bring him home. On his deathbed, um, it was during that week, I probably seen him maybe two or three times that week. And it was for short periods of time. So I would drive, you know, a couple hours for 20 minutes or whatever time I was allotted. So I would say my goodbyes to him. And he said, don't you worry about it. I'll meet you there. And I remember saying, is your there where my there is? Like, I wasn't sure that you know where my there is. And he said, I know where your there is, and I'll meet you there. He was always very <laughs> matter-of-fact kind of a guy. I know where your there is, and I'll meet you there. So that's my hope. submit to him. And what's interesting, I've, I've known Sonia for 10 years and you would never guess that that was her life story because she doesn't carry that with her. That doesn't have real estate in her heart, in her mind, in her soul. And that's what God dreams for you and I is that we would literally live weightless lives because we're not carrying any baggage from what's happened to us. And so I ta talked about the first place we get the power for forgiveness, and that's from realizing how much we've been forgiven by God. But the second place, before I tell you that, I want you to take the rock that you've been given. Go ahead and grab that rock. If you do not have a rock in your hand right now, just raise your hand and the ushers will bring you one. There's a couple people that need a rock um, up here, Scott. Just keep your hand up. But I want you to tell those of you that have the rock in your hand, I want you to take, I want you to hold it out like this. Shoulder high, straight out in front of you. Don't bend your arm. Don't hold it in close. I want your elbow up. I want you to hold it like this. And I want to talk to you while you're holding this rock like this. Where the second place is, you find the power for forgiveness. And it's really simple. You ask God for it. See, Jesus says, when you accept me and my spirit enters into you, he brings with him a power that is supernatural, that is otherworldly to do what you can't do on your own. And so chances are, um, during this message, there may have been someone or someones that have come to your mind as we've talked about forgiveness. Because they're people that you haven't quite forgiven yet. You're still holding onto. Someone that has wronged you from a young age, co-worker, wife, husband, ex-wife, ex-husband, kids that you haven't talked to in a long while, people that are just mean, 
that you will even maybe said out loud, I will never forgive them. There's a couple things you need to know about that person, which is crazy. They're already forgiven by Jesus. Do you realize that? He's already forgiven them. Done. Because he paid for it on the cross. Even their sin. And secondly, the longer you hold on to that unforgiveness, it's creating tension in your life. It's creating weight in your life. It's creating pain in your life. And I don't know if you're starting to feel a little tension in your shoulder. Maybe it's getting a little tired at this point. It should be, by the way. I want you to pull it down. Go ahead and let it down. Do you feel the relief in your shoulder right now? Just the relief of, oh, thank goodness. That's what I believe God wants to do in your life this morning if you're willing to let go and forgive. And so during this next song, we're just going to do something that I think sometimes we need to respond physically to God and to what he's calling us to do. It's not just an emotional and a, a mental thing. It's a physical response. And so I want you over the next few songs, the next song, actually, if you've got that person and this rock represents your lack of forgiveness for them, I want you to take a few minutes and just pray and ask God for the power to forgive them. And I want to ask you if that's you during this next song to just walk up and drop that rock on the stage. And I want you to drop it from a couple feet up. I want to hear the rocks dropping in this room. And if you drop that rock, if you're coming up to do this, you are saying with all the power I have with God's help, I'm letting go. I will not be a prisoner anymore. next few minutes, there are people in this room that have been prisoners for years, some decades. And this morning is their day to walk out of that prison. And so God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would descend on this room in a tangible way and that you would allow each one of us to take the face or the, 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 the group of people that have wronged us that we've been holding on to anger, bitterness, and unforgiveness to for a long while. Lord, I pray that right now you would give us the strength and the power to walk up on this stage and let it go and forgive. And God, may this be a watershed moment where we look back and we're never the same because of what happens in the next few minutes in your holy name. Amen. When you're ready, as you pray and ask, please walk up and do what you need to do over the next few minutes.
you guys to stand and we're going to just uh, have an opportunity to respond to what just happened and if you're still um, processing that and need more time please take it um, but uh, for the rest of us who want to engage in this song so sing this with me
think I've heard a more beautiful sound, I believe, to the heart of God in this room than I did just hearing rock after rock, just bam, 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 as weight just came off. I'll tell you what the hallmark of a disciple of Jesus Christ is, is that you are so in touch with the heart of Jesus and the forgiveness that you've received that your ability to forgive is never ending. It's always, it's daily, it's every offense. You can live that way with the power of Jesus. And the struggle is to never come back up and grab this rock again. That's the struggle, but that's what Jesus wants to help you with. Because see, the secret is, as Christians, we should be the most forgiving people in the world. And if we ever become that as a group, I believe the whole world can come to Jesus. So let me pray for you and then we'll dismiss Jesus. You're awesome. I thank you for the freedom that was found this morning, for the weight that was dropped on this stage that you moved in our hearts to drop. And God, may we walk out of here and never be the same, never pick it back up, never look back and just revel in the forgiveness we've received from you and be willing to freely forgive others. Thank you, Jesus, that you've done that for us. And thank you that you've already given us the strength to do that for others for the rest of our life. In your holy name, amen. <laughs>